You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Burkus on the other side of the screen. That's EJ Snyder. We do this thing every week where we hang out with Bears fans to provide free therapy. That's essentially what's happening here. You can bring a drink. We usually do. Uh, I mean, with rare exceptions. We we have had times where we don't bring drinks, but uh, we're just going to kick into this because we got a lot to cover tonight. So so I want I want to get straight to the drinks. EJ, what'd you bring? Uh, I brought a Modelo that I've been chasing all summer and I have not been able to get a hold of. Uh, but now that it's fall and nobody wants summer beers anymore, they're back in stock. So I got a hold of it. It's the Modelo Celada with Limon y Sal, Lime and Salt. And they're quite good. Okay. So, so I mean, you can make that on your own pretty easy. Right. For sure, hundred like percent. You could you could just rock with with some some lime juice and some salt, right? But yep. you're you're okay. So this is that's actually how I learned how to drink Modelo, and we would drink uh, Negro Modelos that yeah, way yeah. in California mm-hmm. with, the, with the lime and and with the salted yep. rim. So uh, it's cool that it's getting some like. Uh, so I would come back to the Midwest and I would order that drink that way, and people would look at me like I was insane. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, no, I don't, we don't know how to do that, you know? Uh, so, which, you know, yep. is, anyway, it's a real West Coast thing. Uh, special one for you, my friend. I've got a New York rye. Got an oh, Empire rye here. Oh, nice. Right on the East Coast, uh, the wife picked up a, uh, a straight rye whiskey from McKenzie. And so um, we've already been drinking on it, as you can see. It's a, yeah. a little more than half left. Uh, but it's a 103 proof, 80% rye, 20% applewood smoked malted barley. Uh-huh. Um, so it's a little, uh, it's a little low on evolution. Um, I, I would maybe want a little more, but it's also it's only aged three years, so it doesn't yeah. it has a whole ton of time. But it's not super hot, uh, even though it's over 100 proof. It, you know, it's, you're not you don't feel like you're drinking the the ethanol off of it or anything. Um, so it's been it's been an interesting drink. Um, I would certainly, I can drink it straight with, without any issue and, and enjoy it. Um, it's, uh, I, I would probably want to, to maybe try something that was, had a little more age on it and see, and see if it had a little bit more smoothness and evolution, but, um, pretty good. And, you know, we, you and I were talking, I think on air, but for certain offline about yeah. empire rise, and the New York whiskey scene. And so I wanted to bring that on while I'm out on the East coast. Cheers. That's Fantastic. Cheers. Uh, does it say where McKenzie is located? Um, I'm sure that I could find it. just says New York, USA. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Finger Lakes Distilling, LLC. Oh, yeah. 
I grew up in the Finger Lakes, so I know where the, I know exactly where that is. Actually, it's the next lake over for those of you that are familiar with the Finger Lakes. They call them the Finger Lakes because they look like this. They are long and skinny and vertical and run up the middle sort of of the southern tier of New York. Uh, that is the next lake over and about halfway up the other side. Uh, but yeah, one of the original members of the Empire Rye crew that created the standard. Hey, there we go. So yeah. it has to have so much whiskey from New York to be considered Empire Rye? or, or... Uh, It has to use local grains, uh, oh. and they have aging standards uh, both for time and how it's aged. Uh, okay. But there were seven, I think seven initial, maybe eight initial distillers, um, like two from New York City, uh, three kind of near the Albany belt area where I was from, including Finger Lakes guy, a guy from Rochester, and then a guy farther out uh, up towards Buffalo. And they all kind of got together sort of in secret, which is the fun part of the story, because they knew that if they sort of opened it up and said, hey, we're thinking about doing this, that the sort of cacophony of voices would just grind them to a halt. So they sort of grabbed select folks. Um, it started at a... Um, an awards place for uh, an awards ceremony, actually, for distilling. And I think it was like out in Vegas or something. And they were sitting around a table and there was a bunch of them. They're all like, hey, we're from New York. Like, wouldn't it be cool if New York had a standard much like the bourbon standard to sort of reintegrate or reinvigorate the right. local distilling and brewing scene? And so they kind of signed this pact and started working in secret. And then um, when they revealed that they did this thing, there was a lot of pushback and they, they kind of uh, proved themselves right. That they're like, if we'd, if we'd said anybody can join in the beginning, but the cool thing is when they release a standard, they say, Hey, if you match these, you know, it's not a long list. If you, if you hit these standards, you can use the empire. I logo. Like we're not, we're not, you know, you don't have to buy in. Uh, there's none of that. You just have to do this. And, you know, but there were still a lot of people, as you can imagine, that were like, well, who says you get to decide? They're like, right. we're not deciding for you. We're just saying this is what we want to do. And if you want to join our club, all you got to do is do this and you're in. So, yeah. Well, good stuff. Good juice. Right. And, you know, the limestone water and all that, all that fun stuff. So it provides yeah. a great base, um, you know, enjoying it and, you know, would be interested to learn more about the New York whiskey scene. And maybe I can while I'm up here as well. Going to spend a little bit more time in New York here coming up. And that's why, you know, note to listeners, uh, Lester is going to be taking my place on this show next week. He has a special beverage that he has already committed to. I know about it. You don't. I'm I gonna, don't know. I'm. I, you, you can see my eyes light up. Yeah, it's like, very exciting. Um, I, you know, I, I'm going to be on vacation, but I might like try to tune in just to see <laughs> reactions uh, to, to to Lester bringing it. It, it. For those of you who don't know, Lester's not much of a drinker, so no. um, it's always fun when we, we get him to buy a beer and he, you know, kind of chokes it down. So, uh, good stuff. All right, so so here's the here's the here's the thing, guys. Okay, it sucks. The Bears uh, off to a rough start, one and five. Justin Fields gets hurt. We don't know how long Justin Fields is going to be out. It's at least this week. It may be the entire season or anywhere in between. That's the reality right now. I, I don't think they're necessarily lying to us that the, the thumb hand area is so swollen that I don't know the extent of the damage. Um, so it comes down to grip strength. There's, there's a lot going on. We're in a pretty interesting situation here where if the draft were to be, the draft order were to be determined right now, 
the Bears would have the number one pick via the trade with the Carolina Panthers, and they would have the number two pick based on their own record. So they have two potentially very valuable picks. They have a coach that seems like he's not going to survive past this season. Could be wrong, but it looks like Matt Eberflus may be on his way out in a very quick fashion. They have The Chicago Bears have a chance to align the general manager with the head coach with the new quarterback and have the ammunition to do so. Now, we're not trying to, like, throw anything out yet. You know, we're not trying to say Justin Fields is for sure done. But I think it's time to maybe enter this safe space and this reality of talking about the Bears and what the future may hold in that it may be without Matt Eberflus, it may be without Justin Fields, it may be without Ryan Poles. I mean, we, we don't know at this point. Um, and part of that equation, we we would need to talk about head coaches again, and we'll get to that. Um, but it's the quarterback draft. <laughs> this This quarterback draft has been talked about and forecasted for a while now as being pretty strong, and it seems like it's going to be such. So, EJ, you're the draft guy, and so it's early. We know that. It's October. I'm not asking you to give your final evaluation or your final final stack of these guys. I want you to introduce us to the class as a whole, and then let's just run through the individual guys. Like, who should Bears fans be watching, thinking about, looking at as potential uses of one of those high picks that the bears may end up having in next year's draft. Yeah, there's a lot to cover. That's uh that is not exactly soup to nuts, but it is the trail as we're on it so far. It is unfortunate timing for a Justin Fields injury. This was the year that they needed to find out whether or not he was the guy. If he misses really any time, if he misses three weeks, like it's just shrinking the amount of chances that he has to build any sort of resume to say, yeah, I'm the guy you need to go forward with. That was already on sort of shaky ground with all the other things you mentioned. The fact that head coach is going to move on. Oftentimes new head coaches, especially if they have a high pick, want to put their stamp on things, get their guy. Um, so he was fighting a little bit of an uphill battle, and now it's a lot of an uphill battle. And the longer he's out with that thumb, and look, he should heal it and get it correct because that's what's best for him. And I think Justin Fields will play in the National Football League and probably play pretty well. I don't think it's necessarily going to be with Chicago. The The odds are stacking up against that. So it is time to start talking about this. It's not anti-Justin or anti-Chicago or pro any of these young quarterbacks. It is the reality of what's likely to happen. So that's setting the stage for the class itself. You talked about the class and the talent in it. Quarterback classes are always difficult things to gauge and people typically say, oh, there's a great class next year. Well, there might be. There's a lot that goes into that in terms of how guys perform, whether that's up to standard, whether or not they get injured themselves, uh, that plays a big part in it. What juniors declare to either strengthen the class or dilute it sometimes, all those things. That being said, we're in October. We got, you know, four or five months until we're going to be down to brass tacks for this draft class. And quarterback is clearly one of the strengths of this draft, both in numbers and quality. It is a top three position in this draft. Some would argue the number one position in this draft. The others are probably offensive tackle, 
edge rusher wide receiver looks like it's going to be really strong again as well. But like those are, those are the strengths of the class and outside of offensive tackle. And depending on what you think of Braxton, like those strengths line up pretty well with Chicago's needs, especially the quarterback part. So lots of quarterbacks to talk about. Um, many of them you probably have heard of whether or not you followed follow college football. Uh, but if you follow college football, most of these names will be familiar to you. If not all again, no particular order. We're going to talk about who they are, where they play, how big they are. Cause those are all just kind of facts. And then a few words about, you know, where they are in their development cycle. Cause all these guys are in different places in terms of number of snaps they've played things they've been asked to do coaches they've worked with. Um, maturity and just in terms of physical maturity like everybody's on a different scale so this is just more the intro as you said this is not ranking or saying you know these are the ones we should go get so if everybody want me to pop that, them up on the screen uh sure feel free you, okay. you pop them up and i'll yeah, I do that that way it's more random because i don't yeah. know how to rank these guys right so, um, well, I'll, I think it's better to throw them into a hat at this point. I really, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, you know, I, yep. I figure maybe if I do it, then, you know, yeah, no one can say, sure. well, EJ brought this guy up first. So that means, well, yeah, he's the number one. <laughs> All right. So no. I'm going to go random. Yep. Let's, there start, you go. let's start in Michigan. JJ All right. McCarthy. What do you got? JJ McCarthy plays in Michigan. He's the quarterback there. Michigan is one of the most balanced teams in the country this year. And that's usually not the case. They've been really strong, but they haven't had a ton of balance and their offense, especially what you're looking for. And we should say this in evaluating a college quarterback prospect for the pros. Michigan has not had a great aerial attack for some time. They've turned out some very good pros in terms of players at those positions, but it wasn't necessarily because they played at Michigan. Um, it's kind of like, you know, receivers that go to Iowa to like, push a dagger into your heart they're just yeah they're not getting a they're not getting a lot of run and typically at michigan they hadn't got a lot of run that shifted some this year and mccarthy's leading that attack he's 6'3 202 which is a pretty prototypical size most of these guys are between in fact all of these guys are between 6'1 and 6'4 so a very sort of narrow height window and all of them are between like I guess there's one guy that's listed at 195 and the highest weight we have listed is 230. But most of these guys are 212, 215, 217, 205. Like it's, it's almost like they're cranking them out of a factory. There's, there's a very narrow profile for quarterbacks in terms of height. He fits right within that. He's got good mobility. His adjusted accuracy is really good. Um, which again is not something that we've seen out of a Michigan passer for a while. He's, you know, local to the Chicago area. I know some people are going to like get antsy about that, but he plays in the general region near Chicagoland. You're going to see some Michigan games on TV. If you're watching college Saturdays, um, interesting guy. in the fact that he's leading a very high profile program, he's got good size, good arm, very good accuracy, which is one of the things I think is most important. And the rest is we'll see, um, we don't have a ton of resume on him as a starter. Uh, we have some. What we've seen so far looks pretty good, and that means he's you know in the hat, like it's considered. Now, is he really being considered anywhere near the top pick right now? No, he's not. Is if he enters this quarterback class, is he a guy that's going to get drafted in 
probably the top half of the draft, I would say almost for certain. Top half of the draft, top half of the first round. Top half of the draft for okay. McCarthy. I don't – he could end up being a first-rounder as he sits right now, again, with the weight of this class in terms of how many guys are in it. I wouldn't have him there right now, but again, we're, we're super early. I would be surprised if he was a first-rounder at this point, but we're in October. Okay. All right. I want to move on to uh, the hottest name in quarterbacking, and that is Shadira Sanders. Mm. Uh, I know that you listening might have thought I was going somewhere else, but I think no. in terms of pure buzz and in yeah. terms of just how much this guy's profile has just grown based on the time in Colorado, we've got to talk about Dion's club and Dion's kid, uh, Shadir Sanders. What do you, what can you tell me? Shadir Sanders is great. And for folks that were, unfamiliar with him it was because he played at jackson state and there are not a lot of people that watch hbcu football now they should be <laughs> there are a lot of really good athletes great football players that come out of hbcu and you know i along with some of my colleagues try and shine a light on the brighter light on those guys because they deserve it which is what dion said when he was the coach there is that hey i got a lot of guys here that you know could be playing at michigan or whatever and he was right um Shadur was really good last year. He was probably the top offensive threat in all of HBCU football last year. And if he had come out, he would have been, he certainly would have been drafted. And I think he would have been the highest drafted player out of HBCU ranks in some time. Extremely mobile, very strong arm, surprisingly strong arm. And I think, you know, all the shine that's come to Colorado is really good for Sanders brand, both Sanders, the elder and the younger and his brother who also plays for, you know, the team. But um, it just, I think it's just showing what was there. Like those of us that watched him at Jackson state were like, dude, this guy could ball. He can flat out ball. He could be playing quarterback anywhere. It's not just because his dad's the coach and it's not just because he's playing in a quote unquote lower league. You know, now he's going up against, much bigger competition and still showing all those traits we saw last year. And everybody's like, Oh my God, Shadur Sanders. And I'm like, yeah, he's not one of those guys that's taken a huge leap. Um, the leap has been in competition, not in his skill set. His skill set is good. It is matched very well to the modern NFL. I think if he chooses to come out and that's not necessarily a sure thing, um, he will be in the top five quarterbacks considered in this draft. And again, that might sound like a backhanded compliment. It's not. This is a loaded quarterback draft, and he will wedge his way right to the top when people start watching his tape. He is an impressive quarterback prospect. I love it. I think it's great. You know, it, I mean, it's obviously not no guarantee when somebody has a kid that, you know, is then playing college yeah. football. I mean, it, nothing like that. I mean, you have to like earn your place and, and all that, but it wouldn't be the first time that an incredible NFL player has a kid that then makes the NFL, right? Like you're starting to see that uh, makes you feel a little old when that happens. Oh. Not going to lie, but it is what it is. All right. I want to talk about the, the consensus two top, top two prospects next. Um, I'm going to start with uh, Caleb Williams from USC uh, a lot of people coming into the year saying this guy was number one with a bullet, like no question. Uh, people talking about him as Andrew Luck level prospect. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people watched the game uh, USC against Notre Dame. Yep. And I saw a lot on the internet that said like, 
forget it. This guy isn't any good because, you know, didn't have the best game against Notre Dame. So um, tell me about Caleb Williams and tell me about what you've seen so far. Caleb Williams is a top quarterback prospect, period. He also had a very lousy game. I think probably the worst game of his career. I'm not sure if that's true statistically, but in terms of rivalry game, prime time, playing again very close to the city that may end up drafting him, um, it was a devastatingly poor game. And he hasn't had those for the most part. He's had some down games, but even his down games were full of all kinds of throws, skills, reads, moves that said, oh, yeah, this is this is a guy you want throwing the football for you in the NFL. And a lot of people compared him because of play style to Patrick Mahomes, a very dangerous thing to do because Patrick Mahomes has proved himself in the NFL as a historic quarterback, um, you know, quicker to quicker to do a number of wins than everybody except Tom Brady. Like, you know, he, comparing anybody to Mahomes is, is just a minefield. It's terrible, but uh, he has a tremendous arm. He's incredibly elusive. Um, a lot of people were worried. Uh, and this is, we'll call this the Zach Wilson effect. Zach Wilson made a ton of plays outside the pocket and that sort of grabbed everybody's eyes and said, Oh my God, do you see that? But you know, there was question about, okay, in structure, what does he do? Because at the end of the day, every NFL quarterback has to play within structure to be a top NFL quarterback. All the other stuff you don't want to legislate out because that makes them great when the play breaks down, but you can't just make that into your offense. Caleb Williams can play within structure, and there's lots of tape that says that he can. It is concerning that he went up against Notre Dame and uh, Marcus Freeman and co kind of put him in the blender. He had a bad day. He had a very bad day, and it was poor timing, um, but it's true. It doesn't – all quarterbacks have bad days. I mean, you go – Brett Favre had five interception games. Like it happens. Um, I think he's probably as a prospect, a tick below Andrew Luck. Uh, Andrew was the most complete quarterback prospect to come out physically, mentally experience wise. Um, in the last 10 to 15 years, I would put him slightly above Trevor Lawrence. Um, that's luck slightly above Lawrence. Um, Caleb, I haven't, you know, I haven't set my final grade on him, so we'll see. I think he still probably comes in a tick below Trevor, um, but it would be a very small tick, and that's a very good neighborhood to be in. Like, Trevor was a great ready-made quarterback prospect. We've seen him have success early in his career. Um, he doesn't look like that's slowing down anytime soon. So for people that say Caleb Williams is no good because he didn't beat Notre Dame, that's a really limited look at it. He's got a lot of skills. There are legit questions. He is a very good quarterback, and he will be most likely the first quarterback overall drafted, but not. it's not a lock. There have been whispers for months that some teams, as always, value the next guy you're going to talk about slightly more highly. All right, so let's talk about Drake May. So Drake May plays for North Carolina. He wears number 10. If that gives any of you PTSD, <laughs> Yeah, uh, I'm sorry, but my personal opinion is you don't scout the helmet, you scout the player. And so don't let that enter your mindset when we talk about Drake May and his prospects. From what I've heard, a lot of similarities maybe to Justin Herbert in terms of what he brings, or um, do you have anybody else in mind that maybe brings it uh, both? 
Yeah, I don't necessarily have a cop. He is a big guy. He's not as tall as Justin. He's 6'4", 230, which makes him the biggest prospect overall on this list in terms of both height and weight. He is a very solidly built guy. He can also motor, uh, much like Justin Herbert. And his arm is an absolute laser. Uh, last year on tape, I was trying to scout a defender, and I just kept watching Drake May because he was he just makes ridiculous throws. We're talking about... 45 yard stuff like on the move on a dot never gets more than 10 feet off the ground like he makes those throws all the time routinely just javelins lasers fastballs whatever you want to call them but he can throw a touch as well um has a lot of experience played much earlier than trubisky did i know a lot of people are going to have that problem but i would like you encourage them not to um look you would have missed out on cj stroud if you said look all ohio state quarterbacks are garbage and CJ Stroud under Bobby Slowick with the Texans is absolutely lighting it up this year. So there, there's a danger both ways saying they're not good or they are good because they played in a certain place. Neither is true. May is very, very good. And as I alluded to, some NFL teams are rumored to have a grade higher on him than Caleb Williams. And I could see that depending on their system. Um, Caleb May does more stuff in structure uh, than Caleb does, but they both have a ton of skills, and I don't think anybody's going to be sad if they get Drake May. Good processor, quick twitch, huge arm, can really move for a guy his size, has prototypical size for those that worry about you know quarterbacks being above a certain threshold. We heard a lot of that with Bryce Young last year. Uh, he's he's going to check all those boxes. So I think he's going to be a very clean prospect. He's played for Mac Brown for the last couple of years. He has incredible statistical, uh, you know, accumulation over that time but he also has leadership toughness things that you're really looking for with the quarterback prospect so yeah so let's let's get the whole trubisky stuff out of your system guys i don't really need to hear it as the, in the lead up to this but the point is that both of these guys could potentially go number one overall depending on who's got the grade on them so like you know again if the bears have the number one pick or if they have the number two pick you know, it's important to kind of know both of these. If they have both, yeah, that's the one. To know this because you know how much is that draft pick going to be worth to maybe try to trade out of it, which is absolutely what you need to do. A lot of people say, "Well, I would just stick and I would take you know Olu Fushano or I would take uh, Marvin Harrison no, Jr. Yeah. Like just just take the pick." Yeah. Uh, no, you, you gotta take the extra draft picks. You gotta take the extra capital just because it'll be so big. There'll be so many bidders for it. Um, so if somehow if the stars align and things work out and the bears have number one and number two, the bears absolutely need to trade out, trade out at number two. Um, just not, let's just in that debate before it starts. Yeah. Right? You, you need to go get the, the now what that mix is. It's going to be worth a ton because again, if the bears have the number one pick, it's the first quote unquote available pick to the rest of the league. And there is a serious hunger for quarterback prospects. There always is. You're talking about a very good one. I'm not going to use the word generational. I'm going to say a very good quarterback prospect. And I don't care which one gets picked first. Whoever's left is going to garner a lot of interest, a lot of competition. And all the rules about, oh, what I saw a question earlier about, oh, what, what could the Bears get for the second pick? Whatever anybody will pay. And if it's a quarterback prospect that people want and they're competing for it, they'll pay whatever they possibly can. So you can jack the price up way past the chart. And let me make one more point before we take a quick break. If the Bears do find themselves in this incredible position, and again, like 
I'll believe it when I see it. There's a lot of football sure. left to be played. You know, the Broncos, you know, are a problem. <laughs> Can they look really bad? <laughs> like, so we'll see. But if you're in that position, right, here's the beauty is that the Bears would get to determine where that player goes. So they're not going to trade it away to the Vikings, right? They're not going to trade it away to somebody that they think is going to hurt them. It's going to be outside of the division, maybe even outside of the conference, just because you want to get those quarterbacks as far away as possible from you. So it would be this like extra layer of benefit that you get to kind of determine where that great quarterback prospect goes. Uh, I haven't really heard anybody say that, but that, that's where my mind went. It's like, hey, you really control the board. You might even take a little less if you get to send him away from, from haunting you down the line, which I think is kind of interesting as well. So, uh, you know, just something to think about as we get into this. Again, a lot of football left to be played. You know, Bears have 11 games left on the schedule. A lot can happen. Um, but, you know, yeah, as of right now, if you're if you're kind of thinking about that, that's that's where my mind goes. So. Uh, quick break. On the other side of this, we're going to talk about the depth of this class and introduce you guys to another half a dozen names. Stick with us. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, EJ, let's talk about your backwoods here. Let, I want to talk about uh, Michael Penix from Washington, and then I want to get go to Oregon and talk about Bo Nix. Yeah, Penix, Penix and Nix played, I think, the game of the year in college football so far last weekend. Uh, if you didn't get to watch the Oregon-Washington game, it was it was a legit thing. It was important for West Coast football. It was great to see Montlake just absolutely rocking for a game. It was a tremendous game. It's very close. Uh, Washington ended up winning that game. Penix is the quarterback. He started out at Indiana. Um, I was not a huge Penix fan at Indiana. There were a couple of reasons. Um, I couldn't get over his release. I know that sounds weird, but like it, he's left-handed, which I don't mind, but he has a very odd release. And when I actually covered him on the screen with my hand and just watched where the ball went last year, his first year with Washington, I was like, man, you got to, just like you said, you got to get over that. Like, stop worrying about the release. Look at the results. The ball gets there on a line. It's on time. It's accurate. He's hitting guys at every level. Like, you got to just kind of get over that. The concern with Penix, he has six years of eligibility, is a long injury history. He's had two ACLs. Uh, he did, um, this joint where your, uh, collarbone meets your sternum where your clavicle meets your sternum. He popped that. Uh, he also had a shoulder issue on the same shoulder. Like if he, you know, 
makes it to the pros and has a long and healthy career, it's going to be one of those stories like Frank Gore or, you know, people that had terrible Nick Chubb who had terrible injuries in college and then had very strong careers in the pros. He has a laser. He has a cannon. He can absolutely get it. And getting out to Washington and, and meshing with Kalen DeBoer, who's the new head coach of Washington as of last year, came from Fresno state um, was the best thing that ever happened to him. Washington's offense is incredible. Ryan Grubbs, the OC there is probably going to be getting some NFL offers because he's creative and he knows how to put his guys in great spots. They have a lot of talent. It's just a perfect, perfect place for Penix. People are going to be concerned about the injuries, but just about everything else is really, really good. My problem with Penix, if I have one, especially after watching the Oregon game, is unpressured Penix and pressured Penix are two different guys. Unpressured, forget it. He's going to tear you apart, and I don't care how close your coverage is. Get him outside the pocket. He's a different guy. The threat goes way, way down. And in the pros, that's that's a deal, especially for rookie quarterbacks. So uh, more questions, but great story, great guy, great leader, great player. Um, and, man, he can just gun it. Uh, I saw somebody relate him to um, Philip Rivers, and I thought, hmm, I can kind of see that, left-handed versus right-handed, but odd throwing motion, and the ball just jumps off his hands. Yeah, nice. Yeah, Rivers, if, if you were a purist, for a quarterback evaluation, you would have knocked him for that delivery. Uh, yeah. But Rivers, honestly, one of the one of the best quarterbacks to play. I mean, I, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer or not, but like he certainly put up the stats to, to be in consideration. So uh, let's move on to uh, the Ducks. Let's move on to Oregon. Yeah, another player that started in a different place. Penix started at Indiana. Bo Nix started at Auburn. His dad famously played for Auburn. Uh, I think that led to a lot of pressure there. There was a, you know, you're an SEC quarterback. Your dad played. You're a legacy guy. And he just didn't ever really look comfortable at Auburn to me. And I'd basically written him off as a quarterback prospect. I figured he might play in the NFL in a sort of like Taysom Hill role because he has a somewhat similar build and he's very athletically gifted. But as a quarterback, as a pro quarterback, I was like, no, not ever. He ends up transferring. He goes out to Eugene, hooks up with Dan Lanning, took over the program from Mario Cristobal there. And all of a sudden there was this quiet, like, have you seen Bo Nix last year? Like he looks like a different guy. I was like, ah, I don't think so. I watched a couple of Oregon games and I was like, eh, okay, I can see some growth there. You know, that's that's cool. This year, he has complete control um, at the line of scrimmage, landing in his offensive staff, trust him implicitly. He is a different style of quarterback. He plays the same style that they had Herbert playing in Oregon. That is his average depth of target is very low. Lots of throws spread around, very high accuracy, very quick decisions, but you don't see him pushing the ball down the field very much. When you do, he's pretty effective. Sound familiar? Just like Herbert, right? Now, he doesn't, I, I don't think he's as physically talented as Herbert, but he's a big dude. He's 6'2, 217, good mobility, great leader, was not rattled at all in that Washington game, was still leading calmly at the end, thinking, hey, we can get this done. Um, I think he's really going to impress a lot of teams when he gets in the room. Uh, he has really changed everybody's perception of him because now he is exhibiting the skills that a pro quarterback needs to have. And at Auburn, he absolutely was not. All right. Let's get out of the Pacific Northwest. Let's go down South. Let's talk about Quinn Ewers from Texas. Well, I saw Quinn in person a couple weeks ago. I was down. I saw Kansas, Texas. 
my second time at DKR, Texas's home stadium, which is a pretty cool place to watch a game, historic stadium. That place is built for big runs, I swear. Like running backs ripping off big runs in DKR is just it's a thing. It's the the perfect little microcosm of college football. Um, Ewers, there was a ton of excitement about from the time he was like 16 years old. He was a super hot recruit coming out of high school. Um, has again a sidearm release, uh, had a big mullet coming out. That was his sort of signature deal. Um, but he can absolutely drill it. And everybody was like just waiting to see where he was gonna end up. He ends up committing to Texas. Um cut the mullet this off season. So he looks very different. He's smaller than I thought he was. Uh, when I got to see him in person, he's about six, six, one, like two, I think they haven't listed it like two Oh five. Um, but my problem with him was the ball gets there in a hurry. And this is a, this is a very small thing, but a very big thing for a pro quarterback. Accuracy is one thing. Did you put it near your receiver? That's what I consider accuracy. Ball placement is another thing. Did you lead him into contact? Was it too high for him to catch? Did it turn him around? And accuracy and ball placement are different. His accuracy is pretty good. His ball placement this season, and especially on the day against Kansas, was abysmal. It was really, really bad. He had a bad day against Kansas. Again, it's no different than Caleb Williams' bad day against Notre Dame. You got to take the overall weight of the film. Very talented quarterback athletically. I don't really think he's ready right now to make the jump. I think especially if he, you know, you were talking about games theory of, hey, the Bears could determine where that second quarterback goes. There's games theory about entering this draft for quarterbacks because it is so loaded at their position. So if you come out this year, are you the eighth best quarterback this year? Or if you wait, are you the fourth best quarterback next year now there's no guarantee of that but the difference between eighth quarterback drafted and fourth quarterback drafted it's a couple of million dollars over the first contract life that's it's a lot of money to you know a 24 year old guy um so there's he might be one of those guys much like another guy we might talk about spencer rattler who could benefit from going back getting some more things in order to play another season for sark if he can the other consideration is he's got Arch Manning sitting behind him in the Texas quarterback room. Speaking of, you know, famous lineage quarterbacks. Um, so there's no guarantee he'll keep a grip on the starting job. So all these things factor in. But right now, really athletically talented, not one of my favorite quarterbacks in terms of his entire game and readiness for the NFL. Now, if he got with a good quarterback developer, there's a lot of tools there. It could be fun, but that tends to happen less and less in the NFL. It's turnover so fast and your initial success. We saw it even in the first four games for rookie quarterbacks this year. There were people like, ah, time to give up on him. You're like, he's played four games. Like, chill out. Uh, a couple million dollars is a lot of money, it's, uh, regardless of how old you are. Um, that was yep. just a note there. Uh, you mentioned Smith Rattler, so let's let's transition into uh, into him since he also was a transfer, right? And yep. um, now in at South Carolina. Yep, pretty storied, pretty storied quarterback. Young uh, as a young whippersnapper in his CFB career, made some noise. Uh, very physically talented. Had the sort of. Uh, Worst case scenario, I guess, of having a better sort of initial year and then coming out a little bit flatter. A um, lot of transition to the program he was at. He ends up at South Carolina. And again, he's building his game back up, building his draft stock back up. Um, 
Yeah, Rattler 6'1", 217. I know that sounds a little bit small, but again, that's pretty prototypical size on this list. Um, playing a pretty high-powered offense, has a very good wide receiver prospect, which will help any quarterback um, that he's throwing to this year. So I think it's probably the tipping point for him. I think even if he is not going to be one of the top five or six quarterbacks in this draft, which hmm, in this quarterback class might be likely, he's probably still coming out. I don't. I don't, he could go back for another year, but I don't think he will. Uh, to me, he sounds like a Raider. Uh, just, just based <laughs> on the name. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't, can't argue with that. Uh, I mean, like Jim Plunkett, right? Yeah. I mean, just, just, he just sounds like a Raider. Well, I mean, I, come on. I, they had, they had the snake, right? Thank you. Right. I was trying to set you up. I know. Um, all right. We'll move on uh, uh, to some bigger school guys. Well, I mean, South Carolina's big school, but like, uh, let's, sure. let's talk about Jaden Daniels at LSU. Jaden Daniels is taking a huge jump now. He's a slightly built quarterback, at least to my eye on the field. And it's probably just because he's tall now that I look at it. He's 6'4, 210, which doesn't sound really small to me at all. Um, but on the field, he looks uh, taller and more slightly built. He's taken a huge jump in my eyes this year. He had a kind of up and down year last year. You could see the talent, the arm talent. Um, his decision-making was not tremendous. It was a new offensive system for him last year. Uh, there was a lot of hype about him coming to be the quarterback at LSU. Again, he was a transfer. And this year, so many more things have clicked. Again, he has a top target in, in Malik Neighbors. Um, but he looks so much more in command. Actually, uh, I stayed in Austin the night after Kansas, Texas, and LSU was playing Old Miss. And uh, my buddy Frank had it on the TV when we got back and kind of were cooling down and having some beers after being at the stadium. And I just kind of sort of settled in and I was watching Jane Daniels and he was tearing Old Miss apart. And I was like, man, he looks different. He looks in command, throwing it all over the field and beautiful in the bucket throws 30, 35 yards down the field in the corner of the end zone. He's doing it regularly since that week, which a couple weeks ago, been watching every game from LSU and he's doing it every single week. He is drilling it. He looks calm. He's laughing. You can see just in the body language, he's completely relaxed. He knows what he's doing. Um, He's really taking a jump for me. He's way more interesting to me this year than he was last year. Nice. Okay. Well, again, big school playing in big games too. So another, uh, you know, another famous football program. I mean, you got a lot of, a lot of the uh, famous schools have these draftable quarterbacks right now. So Jordan Travis at Florida, who I'm sure our colleague. Uh, Florida, uh, Taylor, Florida State. Florida State. Okay. <laughs> he's a, he's a Seminole, right. not a Gator. That, that'll okay, get, yeah. that'll get you. Apologies for run up in Florida. You know, it's all Florida to me. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure our colleague uh, Taylor uh, Taylor Dahl knows knows these guys well. So, yeah. what can you tell me about Jordan Travis? Jordan Travis, um, really athletically gifted quarterback, and there was a ton of hype. Again, this was college football programs are are kind of like waves; they crest and and have years where everything comes together very quickly and then they can just as quickly crash when a coach leaves or you know quarterback graduates or whatever else this was a sort of crest year for florida state in terms of they have a ton of talent on defense travis leading the attack they have keon coleman who is a ridiculous wide receiver 6'4 230 hands that you know 
look, they just, <laughs> they made those like God was just, somebody said God was just showing off when they made Ken Coleman's hands. Um, so great situation for him. Uh, results have been, I would say up and down. You can certainly see the potential and the talent. He's a bit like Quinn Ewers for me, I think maybe slightly above yours if we're kind of rough stacking them, but, um, same kind of prospect, ton of athletic talent, good decision-making prospects. Some of it's buoyed by the fact that he's got, uh, in many ways, an all world cast around him right now. So that can muddy the evaluation a little bit, but it also brings him a pretty bright spotlight. Um, you know, I would say I'm, I'm whelmed with him. I'm not underwhelmed and I'm not overwhelmed. He's, you know, he's, he's, per he's performing well in a, in a big situation. Got a lot of talent around him this year, for sure. Okay, great. And then I got one more name for you. Um, All right. Maybe not necessarily, I mean, we already talked about North Carolina, so we got to talk about Duke, right? It's a basketball podcast. <laughs> uh, so what do, you, what do you know about Riley Leonard? Uh, Riley Leonard is the, is a bit of a meteor this year in terms of there was a lot of talk preseason about, Hey, this is a guy that could take a jump. And it felt like there was a lot of almost like pre-formatted attention, uh, on, on Duke's program and specifically on Riley Leonard. And he's delivered to a point. He's a really good athlete. Six, four, two, twelve. um, was uh, speaking of basketball, debating famously in high school whether he should play basketball or play football. He decided to play football. You know, Duke fans, I guess, rejoice, or maybe he would have been a great basketball player for them. I don't know. Uh, but I have some concerns, and some of them are much like the Trubisky UNC concerns, like Duke's quarterbacks. Eh. So I need to go back and pick apart Riley Leonard's film. He doesn't have as much film as a bunch of these guys like Rattler and certainly, you know, Drake may, but he's been impressive this year in some spots. I need to, again, take in sort of the full meal deal, like the good games, the bad games, all the throws against pressure in clean pockets, the whole bit certainly has the arm, the athletic talent and everything else, but then it comes down to the little things, accuracy, ball placement. Does he throw with anticipation? Um, you know, does he run himself into bad plays? All those things that are more quarterbacking than having to do with athletes or big throws or highlights. Uh, I'm going to shift over to some of our comments in the YouTube live stream. So if you guys are listening to the podcast and would like to join us on the live stream, we're hanging out 8 Central every Wednesday night uh, for the rest of the year. Despite how bad it might get, we're going to be here. We're going to be hanging out. We're going to be taking your questions. Normally we do a all like ask me anything show, but tonight I wanted the EJ to uh, introduce the quarterback prospects. So we took 45 minutes to do that. Those are the pr quarterback prospects that we have, but our buddy Fitzy says, what about Van Dyke out of Miami? Yeah, I like Van Dyke. He's on my list. We obviously had a bigger list than we had time to go through. Um, I watched his game last weekend, was pretty damn impressed with what he came away with. Uh, he's a big guy, 6'4", 230, so same size as Drake May. Extremely tough uh, and has an injury history, but still stands in there, can drill the ball. I think is being undersold a little bit right now. Again, he had higher hype. He had some injuries, sat out. Um, you know, Miami hasn't necessarily, well, I'm, I'm not even going to be nice about it. Miami has not delivered as a program, uh, since their coaching change, uh, certainly hasn't lived up to the expectations they set for themselves. 
I think he is draftable. Uh, I can't, I can't think that you would look at his tape, especially from like last week's game and go, no, there's not pro skills there. There are pro skills there, pro size, pro arm, decision-making, um, took a bunch of hits. Like he got knocked around in that game really seriously, came right back, kept right on, right on chipping away. They didn't end up winning the game, but, um, wasn't his fault. Like he, he was very impressive in that game to me. Uh, we'll get into some more bear specific questions now. So, uh, Deadwood 1919 has a question about, or doesn't have a question. He has a statement. It says bears need to get a coaching staff that won't wreck a first round quarterback. It's kind of what we're talking about in the show. You got the general manager that lines up with the coach, picks the coach he wants, right? I'm not convinced that Ryan Poles had the full field to choose from, mm -hmm. uh, in this. He was handed a short list of three names. He picked that list from that list, you know, if Ryan Poles is still around at the end of this year, going into next year, you would hope that he would have the opportunity to hire his own coach. If he's gone, you hope that whoever the new general manager is has the opportunity to hire whatever coach they want. Like open the board up. Don't, don't hand them a short list. Stop, stop hamstringing people. You know, same thing happened with Ryan Pace. They, they basically told Ryan like, Hey, you need to hire this John Fox guy, right? Like those things happen. Let's get, let's get rid of that. And then let the coach and the general manager together pick the quarterback prospect have it all aligned, right? And, you know, we, we, we're seeing this in Carolina. They hire Frank Reich. <laughs> Frank Reich and his staff, they want to, yeah. to draft C.J. Stroud. They thought they were going to get C.J. Stroud. The owner steps in. He wants Bryce Young. Now, could or should Frank Reich be able to coach Bryce Young? Yeah, sure, right? Like, if you're a really good coach and you got a good quarterback prospect, you can get something out of this kid, right? But if you really want the other top prospect – and then you're told that you have to take this other guy, there's going to be a little bit of animosity, particularly if they have different games, right? So, you know, let let the process work and have it all align and see if that works for once. That would be different, <laughs> right? That would be fun to watch. Let's have it all line up together and not try to mismatch people and tell, tell one guy that he's got to keep this other guy or that he's got to draft this person, whatever. Like, no, just stay out of it. You say you're a fan, be a fan. Stay out of it. That's my that's my take. Um, I doubt you have anything to add. I, I just no. That's I think you pretty much covered it. It's uh, yeah. You said oh it happens, and I'm like in the back of my head, I'm like it happens for the Bears. It happens in Chicago. It shouldn't happen, but it does happen. And yeah, it happens in other places too. The Carolina example was one I was hoping you were going to hit on because it's very recent. And uh, for me, it's a little bit confirming because up to about three weeks before, I was pretty sure when people were asking me, I went on the radio in Carolina multiple times and they said, who do you think you're going to draft? And I said, I, you know, if I'm Reich and I run Reich's system, I, I think they won't see Jay Stroud. I, I know that everybody's saying Bryce Young. Well, a lot of people are saying Bryce Young's QB1. I think they want Stroud. And then the wind really started to turn and it turns out that was the owner like pushing, pulling, whatever, uh, you know, influencing, let's just put it that way. And then by about a week before the draft, I was like, no, nah, I think they're, you know, change my tune. I think they're going to draft Bryce Young again, not necessarily what I would do or what I think the best match is, but I have a very strong feeling they're going to draft Bryce Young and they do. And I was like, ah, maybe Reich just changes mind. And then Reich very clearly came out last week and said, no, man, I wanted CJ Stroud, which look, it's a very easy thing to say right now because he's lighting up the league with Bobby Slowick and he wouldn't necessarily be doing that in Carolina. That's not how that works. So it's a very easy thing to say right now. Oh, I wanted the guy that was good. Um, but 
you know, it is a fascinating relationship and it is not great when you have the three decision makers, head coach, general manager, and owner, and they don't line up. That is, that is not an effective situation. Now, my stance is that if you're David Tepper, you can do whatever you want with your franchise. Now, you need these Hell yeah. They own it. They can do what they want. Now, do I agree with that philosophy? No, like that is not good management, right? So I can be critical of it, but like, sure, you can do whatever you want. George McCaskey, you can do whatever you want, but you might right. want to try something different. Like, <laughs> is you, you might want to try the thing that works for the first time yeah. in, you know, yeah. ever. Just, just stay out of it. See what happens. All right, we got to get to this for Fitzy. I don't. I, I, this is kind of depressing. I don't even want to like think about this, but would it not be the most Bears thing ever for for Bajent to manage his way uh, to you know a good record and create a quarterback controversy, um, take the Bears out of the number one contention, and then turn out not to be the guy? I'm. I'm. You know. I'm 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 in on feet like I really like Justin Fields and so it really kills me that he's injured and that we're going to miss some time because I really wanted to see him get as many starts as possible. I also like the Tyson Bajent story. It's a nice story to have come from an undrafted free agent to think that he's going to be ready to you know pilot a professional offense to wins that has not been successful you know under this coaching regime. It's hard for me to imagine. Uh, it's hard for me to imagine that that he he can put that on his shoulders and do that. I think his first game action was pretty suspect, and what you'd expect from an undrafted free agent pushed into week six in relief, right? And so uh, what I saw from Tyson Bajan, and I'm not a quarterback expert, but what I saw was a guy that was playing on time, but that wasn't you know Lester and I talked about it wasn't setting his feet certainly wasn't getting a lot on the ball and he was very close to turning that ball over more than twice. He turned it over twice and a couple of those balls felt like he was very fortunate to not end up in in the defender's hands. And you're going to have another good pass rush coming at you in Vegas. I mean, Max Crosby is relentless. And so like, you know, if you're not going to take care of the ball, you're not going to probably be able to put this team in a position to win many games and I, I think that even though there are some things of his game that you can be excited about, he's not a complete prospect by any stretch of imagination or he would have been drafted. Um, and uh, I, I would worry that he could roll a lot of turnovers into his game that would just knock the Bears out of games really fast. Yep. It's, <laughs> somebody was like, so why is everybody excited about Tyson Bajan? I said, because he's different bad like he's he's different bad like justin yeah. fields has showed us a lot of bad through the first part of the season and then two games of really good and that got everybody excited and then another half of really bad before he got hurt and that was disappointing but Beijing comes in and look the backup quarterback is the most popular guy in town until he has to play everybody wants him to play until he has to play and then everybody goes oh that's why he's a backup and I think you saw that from Bajan kind of in a nutshell and a half, right? Came in, had early turnover, led leads to a score, maybe takes a pressure off. Maybe that just gets the, the jitters out. I don't know. Then he starts to throw on time and people go, see, see, he could do it. He can move the offense. He's just, he's hitting what's open. And he was, and that's great. And then 
again, less than, less than a half in, he makes a terrible decision to let go of the football and, you know, creates this massive duck that I think probably you could have caught JB. Maybe. I don't know. Oh, sure. I believe me. I, I played some flag football free safety. So yeah, there I, you go. I could have caught that, that throw then. So, yeah. I mean, he's just different, bad, right? It's different. Right. And so different, bad is just, you know, and, Morrissey comes out and writes a silly column on Monday that's like, woohoo. And you're like, no, it's that's dumb. Like, yeah, I, I get I, it. It's clicks and whatever else, but it's dumb. And I contend that that writer wrote that headline in August and was just was waiting for a chance to use it. Right? Yep. And because, like, and, and just like, he was just, I got a good one. Writing <laughs> the story for the headline. I, 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 I don't know that that's true. That, but that is felt like it. If you actually read it, it felt like it um, because right. you know there was acknowledgement of. Look, you could do this with any situation in your life. Your your favorite teams, you know, quarterback or not, there are good things about Bajan's debut. He's also a rookie. Rookie quarterbacks play like crap. I really like Aiden O'Connell. He did get drafted. He got a chance to play for the Raiders. He turned the ball over too many times. Were there some really good throws and some things that I wanted to see him? be able to continue because I know what Brian Hoyer is and I don't want to see that anymore. And I would rather see Aiden continue to develop. Sure. Do I also have to admit he made some crappy, not, not only turnover worthy plays, but turnover plays. Yeah, he did too many of them. And I'm sure Josh McDaniels who comes from a culture in new England, that's not into playing rookies went. Yeah, that was your shot. Like we're done. We're, we're going to go with the safe thing. Cause this is my job and I get it, but that's the way rookie quarterbacks play. We saw the same thing with even quarterbacks that are playing well outside of CJ Stroud, like Anthony Richardson. Super exciting, but ooh, there's some, oh, you want that one back and, you know, ends up getting knocked out, which is super unfortunate because there was more good than bad, but you have to admit there, there was bad there too. And that, that's just the rookie experience. Bajan's going to be that plus. Yeah, I, I do find it frustrating to be in conversations with people and this is not just about quarterbacks or or just about football in general um but they'll say well if you take out this if you take out that then it was pretty and it's like that's actually not how it worked like and it, it could be either way well if you take out that game where Khalil Mack had six sacks he really hasn't been that productive Oh, I'm sorry. He basically dominated an entire game and had a career like making performance you get to count those. Like you don't just get to like wipe mm -hmm. them off the board. Oh, that, that guy had an 89 yard run. So that 200 yard running performance isn't really that big of a deal. Cause 89 of it came on one run. No, it's a big deal. Those yards count, right? Like you don't get to just selectively take away step, yep. whatever stat you want to try to make your, your case. You got to view every play. You got to view the whole package. And so people that are talking about this guy, like, you know, Oh, I loved everything he had. Like, he turned the ball over twice in less than two quarters. Yeah. Like, you know, spread that out over a whole game. That's four turnovers. Like, that's not going to get it done. Like, you can't have that. So that's what concerns me the most. And again, I thought some of those balls were were, were turnover-worthy plays as well. So mm -hmm. um, I'm going to give him the chance. He's going to have a start. Maybe he'll have multiple starts, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, and well, we'll, we'll do what we do here, right? We'll evaluate. Yeah. Yeah, the other the other option in in my mind is is worse. So uh, having just signed Trace McSorley, like I saw that and I died a little bit inside. I was like, Re oh, really? Oh, OK. All right. Well, That's what we're doing here. 
um, Trace McSorley and Nathan Peterman, who's you know famous no, for don't. throwing Just, the ball to the other team, right? No. So I mean, yeah, I mean, Bajit is the guy that we would like to see and, and yeah. see what he has. That is, but, that is possibly the most unserious NFL quarterback room ever. Yeah, it is is worthy of the you are not serious people meme. Um, There are a lot of questions about coaching. I want to holster those. I want to talk about that later on. That can be its own show. I don't want to just burn through that now. Um, You know, probably a little later on, you know, no, no rush on that uh, because, you know, we've got 11 weeks of football left, but I do want to give more time to kind of evaluate these offenses i want an offensive coach i'll i'll, I'll spoil it right now uh, i wanted an offensive coach last time didn't make any sense to me to hire a defensive head coach uh, but I'll, i will i will again be in the offensive coach uh you know camp but we'll go through that and we'll, we'll talk about the offenses that these guys have have led and who's in the best position to take over uh for the bears and and you know maybe even try to play some matchmaker of quarterback prospect and and head coach and and who might fit but um yeah we're gonna get out of here uh i'm on east coast time so it's even later for me uh you're gonna probably go get dinner because you're on west coast time and you know i don't know maybe, right maybe get a walk in and uh um yeah man anything any final thoughts before we take off i i think we can have some fun with it obviously bears football on the field is not going to be super fun um, they're going to be underdogs in pretty much every game, especially with that quarterback room. And, you know, we're going to have to sort of be looking ahead and, and looking at it at the same time. I think there's some things to look forward to. I'm, I'm looking forward to the O-line getting some guys healthy again. I don't think it's going to be great, but it can be a lot better than it was in the first half of the season. That can bring some joy. There's going to be some highlight plays. You know, I don't care who's in there at quarterback. There's, there's going to be a few moments, you know, those are the things I'm going to watch for uh, because we know there's going to be massive change after the season. We don't know how much, but we know there's going to be a lot. So, Absolutely. So stick with us. Uh, and like I said, next week will be Lester with EJ on this show. Taylor will be with Lester on Monday's show. Um, and so you're in good hands. Uh, hopefully they don't do too good of a job and they will allow me back into my spot. Uh, but until next time, guys, bear down.